from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Baha'i Perspective is a radio program that interviews people who have chosen to live their lives in accordance with the principles of the Baha'i Faith. If you want information on the Baha'i Faith specifically, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org, that's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. Today I'm playing a second in a series of interviews with Mr. Ray Estes a Baha'i for many years who comes from a background of a born-again Christian. He has studied the Bible for many years and has developed new understandings of some of the Bible stories now that he is a Baha'i. The Bible story that Ray will talk about today is the story about Adam and Eve. I asked Ray what the Baha'i perspective is regarding the story of Adam and Eve, a story that's important in the religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Well, basically, Baha'is look through a lens that says, first of all, to trust God, that there is an answer. That's the first thing you have to have Mm. a sense of, that God Mm. didn't make a bunch of mistakes, but in fact, we have not grasped his way of doing things. And it goes back to the idea that the, the parable, the story, is a wonderful way to get an idea across, but if you take it literal, you get lost. Mm. And throughout history... Um, when we study the return or the coming of Christ to the Israeli world, they had all these high expectations of a conqueror uh, sitting on a throne, defeating the Romans, and they got a man quietly riding into the city on a donkey with no possessions, no seemingly physical power. But for those who could see non-literally, they saw the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. They Mm. saw the hopes and dreams of humanity in this carpenter. Mm. While the scholars, the student, the, the powerful, the mighty saw him as a troublemaker mm. because he obviously did not fulfill their grandiose ideas of how the Messiah would come. Mm-hmm. When we don't get that that's how God works in the quiet, sweet way to our soul, where he asks us to think and to reflect and have faith, mm-hmm. and that all things can make sense. That we're not asked to throw out our brains in order to have our faith. Mm-hmm. But we have to go deeper to understand. Now, uh, I'm not going to tell you that my understanding is the Baha'i understanding. Okay. One of the beautiful things in the Baha'i faith is the independent investigation of reality. I am but a person who has a, an unusual background, mm-hmm. who has delved into these things, and I share it with people. And that's why I'm sharing it here. But make no mistake, I'm not an authority. Mm-hmm. I'm not a clergyman. Uh, but I do have a heart and a mind and a soul, and I believe God loves me mm-hmm. and that he's going to help me understand. And I've been doing, let's say, several years of trying to understand. So with that, I want to then start with saying this. There's a, a statement by one of the central figures of the Baha'i faith that we consider to be authoritative. And he says, Therefore, this story of Adam and Eve, who ate from the tree, and their expulsion from paradise, must be thought of simply as a symbol. 
It contains divine mysteries and universal meanings and is capable of marvelous explanations. Only those who are initiated into the mysteries and those who are near the court of the all-powerful are aware of these secrets. Hence, these verses of the Bible have numerous meanings. Mm. Now, I am not going to make any claim that I am some super person to understand this, but I can say this. As a person who cares, who loves God and wants to unite my head and my heart, Mm -hmm. I've gone into it. And here's how what I'm seeing. First of all, one of the clues that we're given as Baha'is is that Adam represents a stage of development and Eve represents, uh, in that sense, mankind as male and female created by God who have been brought into this world um, in this sense. They represent mankind at a stage of evolution. Okay. In other words... Before Adam and Eve, the traditional story was a long history of humanity's childhood. We were living in the matrix of nature. Now, some of you have seen the movie The Matrix, so you can mm-hmm. understand what I mean by matrix. Okay. It means a, con- a, a realm where consciousness was at a certain level. We know, for example, that a child in the womb of its mother is going through one experience. When it comes out of the womb of the mother, it goes through another, and it goes through childhood. But as in Judaism, when they reach about 13, they're expected to take a different look at life, mm. a responsible, uh, 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 where they're aware of higher truth, aware of God, and they become responsible for the decisions they make. Whereas before that, their children, their parents are responsible for their decisions. Okay. So mankind evolved like science says. Mm. It was God who, ev- who designed evolution for a purpose. To ultimately bring forth what we know as planet Earth with mm. animals and beings and all, the, but with human beings being the ultimate purpose of this evolutionary process. And when we reached the state where out of the dust we had been created and we were standing, quote unquote, on our feet, mm. in a symbolic way, we were ready to, uh, to accept the responsibility now for our future. In, in, in coordination with the spirit and power of God. Now, I think there's a problem that some folks have in that having this attitude that the earth was created for humans has created this sort of chauvinistic attitude toward the earth. Yes. And but that's not necessarily has to be the case. When we are told in the Bible that we are actually to be the caretakers mm-hmm. Of planet Earth, Mm -hmm. meaning when we get to a point where we can become responsible, Mm -hmm. we always have a choice to do damage and harm or to use this wonderful God-given ability to understand and appreciate and actually even correct our mistakes and on another hand, change our behavior to fit what is well for the sake of the well-being of all life. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're not inconsistent. It's just that if you take it that we're not responsible, then we do what we want to the earth, not realizing we're committing suicide. Mm-hmm. But if we take the spiritual, the God-given spiritual approach, we know this. We're to be loving, caring, sensitive, aware, conscious, intelligent beings 
taking care of the welfare of life. Mm-hmm. And yes, we can do destruction or construction. We can do it wisely. We can be foolish. Mm. This is true even in the story of Adam and Eve. Okay. Now, if you take the story literally, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. First there was light, then the heavens and the earth. And then he created the earth. Well, the earth came into existence. And then on the fourth day, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, this is totally illogical if you look at it from a scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. But in our faith, we were, we're, we're given a very unusual understanding. Because in the Bible, it says that when the Messiah comes, when the Holy One comes, the moon will be dark, our sun will be darkened, the moon will not give forth its light, and the stars will fall from heaven. Mm-hmm. Well, if one star fell on earth, it would destroy the whole thing. So like, anyone who takes this literally has not got it. As Jesus says, you have to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Mm-hmm. If you hear with your physical eyes, your, your material eyes, your literal eyes, you'll never understand. But if you listen to your heart and go deeper and see the mystery in the words, a wonderful truth comes. Okay. The sun represents when God sends the messenger at a time when we're ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. Even though many do not hear it, there are many who are ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. And so the sun shines. The moon is usually the person who hears the message either for the first time or is the first one to really get it. Mm-hmm. And that person becomes like a moon, becomes like an example for all the rest of us human beings. Mm-hmm. And the stars represents those heroic souls in every age who get it along the way and like a star shining in a dark night brighten up the sky for the time in which they live. Okay. You and I are to be stars in the day in which we live. Okay. But when we look up and we notice that the sun of religious truth has become dark and when we notice that those we look up to to be the examples are following a pathway of blood, mm-hmm. when we see the heroic souls are no longer there with the bright light of truth but have fallen from that high and noble position, mm-hmm. it is a time when we know it's time for another day, mm-hmm. for another sun to appear okay. and another moon to appear and new stars to come into the sky. Mm. And to show that this is intended by the Bible, okay. there's a passage. All right. It says, In that day, the day of the Lord, the sun will shine. Or, I'm sorry, start over. The moon will shine like a sun. Okay. And the sun will shine sevenfold in the day when the Lord, the Lord heals up the wounds of his people. Now, where is that in the Bible? Uh, offhand, I Old New it Testament. Right, it's Old Testament. Okay, um, but uh, and I have it written somewhere, but yeah. somewhere here I don't have it right in front of me. Right. The main point of it is, the moon represents of today. Today's moon. Jesus showed us what a perfect human was to look like. Mm-hmm. God's Holy Spirit. Uh, shone through the mirror of Jesus of Nazareth mm-hmm. and showed us what a perfect man was. That's why Jesus said, I'm the son of man. Mm-hmm. When the son of man does this, when the son of man does meaning I am what you are to be. This is, when you look at me, you're seeing what God wants you to be like. Mm. 
in a sense, to be a Christian is to become Christ-like. Mm-hmm. End of story. If we become Christ-like, we are truly the sons and daughters of God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the message. Now, we've got to see the unity of truth. At the time before Adam, we were living in the matrix of nature. In other words, we were unaware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. We just reacted like a child, and nature took care of us. We survived with the powers of nature assisting us in God's guidance, bringing us fundamentally like a child in the womb of its mother, but in mm-hmm. this case, through human childhood. Mm-hmm. But when we reached the age of adolescence, in spiritual terms, mm-hmm. that's Adam. Adam is the first to become, quote-unquote, a man, no longer a child. Okay, And later on, other teachers came because we went from beginning mm-hmm. and then we got a little more mature. We say we went from 13 to 14 and then another messenger came about a thousand years and then another messenger came when we got to be, you know, it was like a school system. Mm-hmm. But the history teacher, was so old that we just don't have these recorded. They, that's right. In other words, okay. they, they did it through verbal stories. It was... Uh, mm. What's the word I'm looking for when generate they, um, the, the stories are held by storytellers mm-hmm. and passed on? Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, but, uh, and, and then in, in time, in fact, it happened when the uh, Jewish people were in captivity in the uh, 6th century before Christ. Mm-hmm. In Babylon is when they wrote the Bible for the first time. Okay. And he took it from the oral history. That's what I was looking for. The oral history mm-hmm. had been passed down and down and down. Mm-hmm. They took the oral history and wrote it and put it in writing. Okay. Now, some people believe that God kind of grabbed their hand and wrote it down for them. We believe they were inspired to mm-hmm. write it down. Mm-hmm. But not to get too nitty gritty about it and think that every word is to be nitpicked apart as being literally true mm-hmm. because that's what's caused so much confusion. Some people interpret it that way. And we even know this. There's a book out right now called um, uh, Misquoting Jesus. A professor, a Christian professor in North Carolina uh, has written a book showing where over the years the scribes kind of altered things according to the way they thought it should be. Mm -hmm. Now they're finding ancient scriptures that challenge some of the things we've always taken for granted. But I don't want to go into that. That's for another discussion. My point is... It's not that the reality of the teachers have changed. It's like if I was to ask you, your sixth grade teacher and your twelfth grade teacher, which one was the smartest? I can't say. It's because it has nothing to do. The smartest has nothing to do with what grade they teach. Right. The grade they teach is dependent on the level of the student. Mm-hmm. Take it this way. There is no difference in the essence of these messengers. They are all inspired by the power and might of of God, as Jesus said, they come with the spirit and power mm-hmm. of the past teacher, mm-hmm. but with a clearer message because we have evolved, we have progressed, and so that's why the changes. And some of the cultures were not as advanced as other cultures, so they had the kind of like where one kid is in the second grade, another kid's in the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So the teacher speaks to their level. Mm-hmm. Once we grasp this truth that it's not the teachers that are at variance, it's the students and the cultures, then we can appreciate differences. Okay. But we've come to a time, now that we've found out that we're living on a ball 
flying through space. Now that we found out there are other people of other cultures who have their own traditions, and, but that there's something we have in common. We all know that we're to be caring, mm-hmm. loving, just, truthful, honest people. Mm-hmm. The message got through to everybody. There's none of them out here saying being a liar is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Being unjust to your uh, fellow man is a good thing. No way. Mm-hmm. It's just that we've all managed to find ways to twist our scriptures, twist our understanding mm-hmm. so that we can justify Wars, injustice to groups of people we're not too happy with, Mm -hmm. uh, prejudices, uh, even lying. We found ways to get around it. But that's why every once in a while, God sends a messenger to challenge our twisted versions. Mm -hmm. And there's a struggle between the twisted versions that humans have taken God's true and beautiful truth Mm -hmm. and the new truth that is actually based on the original truth but is now brought to light in a more mature way to challenge, shall we say, the misguided. Okay. This is what happened with Jesus. When Muhammad came to the Arabs, he was not received welcoming. Mm -hmm. He was persecuted. He was cast every manner of evil thought upon. It took him some time to penetrate their consciousness with the understanding that the God of Abraham was the true God and that their idols were illusions. Mm-hmm. Now, I use this example that whatever the people needed, God sent what they needed. Mm-hmm. But what do we need today? We need to go back and relook at some of these ancient stories and gather the wisdom that was there that we miss because we're so busy trying to make it a historical fact mm-hmm. instead of a parable of wisdom. Okay. Now, I'd like to then share a bit on the story of Adam and Eve. Okay. First of all, with this idea that the sun and moon and stars was really the coming of the, you might say, uh, the teacher mm. for 13. Okay. He came to introduce us to the responsibility of an adolescent who's now suddenly realizing mm-hmm. the tree of knowledge. You mm-hmm. remember that when we say, and he knew her in the biblical way, it means they had sex. Mm-hmm. And the tree of knowledge is the coming of age. Mm-hmm. And so Adam, in a sense, represents mankind having to deal with being responsible. So another way of looking at it possibly is that before Adam, or before the, the, the point of maturity, humanity had the capacity at the point of 13 to have a transcendent, dental or a consciousness greater than just foraging for food and um, protecting their family, their, their Their tribe, their tribe or whatever that at this point in history that sort of jives with when civilization began, right? 13. um, And this is reflected in the story of Adam and Eve that then humanity has the capability to, what follow laws and ordinances that would then shape the destiny so that he he or she can progress from this beast of the field to a transcendental spiritual person. And to building a world, in other words, to go beyond nature. Mm-hmm. Basically, we were children of nature. It's kind of like a child is living in the Garden of Eden 
where his parents provide his clothing, his food, his protection. He doesn't have much to say about it. He has to go along because nature has provided him a mother and father to care for him. That's the basic idea. That idea is that's the Garden of Eden of our own lives. But there comes a day when we have to come to a stage where we can't just keep doing what our parents told us. We've got to start thinking for ourselves and taking responsibility. And one of the first tests that comes along at that age is puberty. Mm -hmm. And puberty is a symbol. Mm -hmm. It's not the only. It's a symbol of the passions for, you might say, the passions of this life, mm -hmm. the, the fun and games of life, the, the, the uh, psychological uh, highs that we would all like to have. That's why drugs would fall in this mm -hmm. category today. Alcohol falls in the category today. Mm -hmm. They are things that we can do that are not particularly healthy for us, even mm -hmm. though it for a short time makes us feel good. So it's, when we're talking about the parable of Adam and Eve... I guess there's two contexts. There's one from the maturation of humanity and then the parable seen as our individual lives growing exactly. up from children uh, to older. So are you addressing... I'm saying both are both true. Both of them, okay. That what we become to realize is we are living through the story. Adam mm -hmm. and Eve has meaning for us today. Okay. Adam and Eve has meaning for our culture. We are now even in disobedience. We're eating of the tree in the wrong way today as a society. Okay. Because here's the story. What really, when Adam looks at Eve mm -hmm. with the eye only of lust, mm -hmm. there is born Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. But the second version, starting with chapter 5 in Genesis, starts all over again. It says Adam is, ma uh, is both male and female. Adam is both, Adam and Eve are both Adam in that sense. Man, mankind. There you get this different and higher understanding. And what's interesting, they give birth to a third son, whose name is Seth. And Seth, it says, from his descendants, they begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Hmm. Now, I'm going to go two ways. I'm going to explain this in the terms of what everyone goes through, and at the same time, what humanity's had to go through. All right. The story of Adam and Eve on this context is the story of mankind reaching a state where God can breathe the breath of true life. Not just physical life. He's already standing on his feet. He breathes spiritual responsibility or the idea to idealize, the idea to reflect and make judgments okay. based on a hierarchy of greater and lesser, mm -hmm. which becomes ultimately good and evil. When we choose the lesser, when we could have cho chosen the greater, that's what produces evil. God didn't create evil. We did. When we use our choice, our powers incorrectly. Okay. But if you, on the other hand, recognize the beauty coming together and with love, respect, admiration, and with the purpose mm -hmm. and to bring children and create a world where children come into, mm. where they purpose their life to help make the world a better place for their having been there, mm. for having and bringing children that are like advanced citizens of a better world to come. Mm. Imagine if every family saw that marriage and the coming together of man and woman to bring forth children to populate the earth with children that are conscious, sensitive, aware, mm. loving beings. How fast 
this planet can change. Mm. This is the true purpose of religion today, to restore a clearer apprehension of what this is all about. It's about building and creating beauty. Mm. That's the artist in us. It's about building and creating society. This is the engineer, so to speak. There's all these things in us. To do what? God has given us all these talents. He's given us this little ball. He's given, it's one country, really. Mm -hmm. As in our religion, we say the earth is one country and all mankind are its citizens. Mm -hmm. That this is our home. And we're to build a society that reflects all the dreams and hopes that bring mankind together in a peaceful world. Mm -hmm. In this world, those who we thought were lions, while we were but sheep, we can lie down together and there will be no harm. Mm -hmm. A good example of this, I'll use my own life. I was a born-again Christian. I was raised by a German family who had very strange beliefs originally. But one of the things that was so important was that I began to realize that I was responsible to change things, to go forward, to build a better world. I'm a father of uh, five children. Mm -hmm. And I have a daughter who, at a very young age, uh, was I, I, I particularly had encouraged her to, uh, to not look for boyfriends, but to look for a husband. And uh, in this particular case, I uh, told her that I, too, would be on the lookout for her. And we had such a wonderful relationship. She encouraged this. Okay. Yeah, Dad, if you find him, introduce me. Mm -hmm. One day I met a young man who was from an Islamic background in that he was Iranian. And now he also, though, had embraced this Baha'i vision. Mm -hmm. So we were on the same plane. But if my father would have rolled over in his grave if he knew that I took a young man born in Iran, living in America, with this new vision... And that I would introduce him to my precious daughter and as a possible husband. Mm -hmm. Now, in this world today, right now, I can tell you, Iran is looking like a, a nation of lions. While we perceive ourselves as mere sheep. Uh, some of us are wiser than that. No. But let's just, for the sake of this Not story, hardly. <laughs> go, go with this. And yet I encourage the lion and the lamb to lie down together, mm -hmm. literally. And they got married and they have beautiful children. And I love this man with all my heart. Mm -hmm. Now, how can this be if it isn't that we're look we have to look with a new eye and a new vision mm -hmm. to see things differently? Mm -hmm. Because, in fact, that's what this Baha'i vision does. It allows the lamb and the lion to come together. Mm -hmm. and that's what's needed. Forgiveness, understanding. Back to my story. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve represent that time in history when we were faced with this choice. Mm -hmm. So that's why there are two versions of the Adam and Eve story. The first one is where they take the wrong choice, mm -hmm. and Cain and Abel are produced. Mm -hmm. And they, are the, they, they suffer and are challenged and all kinds of difficulty because they've taken a path, which modern civilization often does. Cain representing modern civilization, Abel representing the people who were left out of the equation. And now... We have to all come together. And, and Seth represents the people who choose to serve God, to let the, love, the light of love into their hearts and to rise above this conflict. And they appear in every age. They've been the stars throughout our history. Those wondrous individuals who lived it, didn't just talk it, but put it into effect and inspired us all. But in today's world, we need that too. But the point of it is that uh, 
Seth is the son who raises up a family who go on to serve God and become known as the sons of God. Mm-hmm. And that introduces us, of course, to the story I'm going to do next time, which is how the sons of God, the descendants of Seth, got involved with the descendants of Cain, the city dwellers, the civilized people, and let's just say God was not happy when they sold out their covenant, their heritage to the worldly wise. And that's why the story God is says, I regret I even made man. Mm. And that's true today. When the people who know better sell out to their passions instead of to that creative, beautiful, uh, purpose-driven life, as it's been spoken, mm. the purpose-driven life is a life where we come together to create a better world, mm-hmm. beginning with ourselves and then our children. Mm-hmm. That's the right story. of That's the true understanding. But when mankind goes to that wrong direction, mm-hmm. then all the sorrows. And so we, we left the Garden of Eden of childhood. Mm-hmm. We went into the world, and we went fundamentally in three groups. Those who tried to do the right thing, those who just, uh, shall we say, use their energy to create things, modern mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. technology, mm-hmm. and those who kind of were watching on the sidelines. Okay. Now, that's still true today. And we are out of the Garden of Eden of childhood, but we're not necessarily taking always the right choice. No, this is interesting because it's sort of the opposite of the Christian point of view that everything was wonderful in the Garden of Eden. And then once we left the Garden of Eden, we became aware of our sinful selves and therefore we had to deal with sin, whereas before we didn't have to deal with sin. Okay, now that's beautiful you said it because, see, in fact, it's actually the other way around. The truth is that, in, in, in my understanding, that the Garden of Eden is beautiful, wonderful. I mean, when you're a child and everybody's doing everything for you, you don't have to work, you don't have to sweat the bills, you don't have to worry about a career, you just got to be a kid in a healthy family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who wouldn't want to stay there forever? I mean, you know, paradise. But when we enter adolescence, some people think you've entered hell. There are some people who believe that adolescence has got to be the worst time of your life. Why? Because you suddenly have to make all these decisions, and now you've got guilt to deal with when you do it wrong. Mm-hmm. So Adam was sort of rebelling? <laughs> Adam represents, remember, this is mankind, and the sons represent... Uh, I mean, in the fable. Yes, in the fable. In the fable, Adam is sort of the rebelling against. Exactly. Well, see, and that's the truth. We all at times rebel, and sometimes we do it right. Mm -hmm. And so all of us are sinners, yes. Mm -hmm. There's nobody who always chooses the right way. Mm -hmm. Even the sons and daughters of God make mistakes. Mm -hmm. The point is, what is their focus? What is their commitment? When Mm -hmm. our commitment is pure self-centeredness, that was good when we were a child. I, I like to use this analogy. You hear that a son has turned on his mother and took his fists and starts beating on his mother. What should we do with this guy? First thing you want to do is grab him and, you know, you want to teach him. A, I mean, beating on your mother with your fists. How terrible. Till we find out he's two years old mm. and he wants his milk. He is but a little kid, and the mother doesn't beat him. 
she picks him up and holds him in her arms and cuddles him and says, don't worry, Junior, I've got some milk for you. But if he's 14 and he takes his fists and he beats on his mother, evil has taken place. What's the difference? Mm. Self-centeredness in a child is acceptable. That's Lucifer, the perfect angel, his child. Mm. But when Lucifer has to give way childishness to the adolescent who now has to start taking responsibility because he's more powerful, because he has the tools and abilities, he cannot behave as a child. As Paul said, when I was a, when I was a child, I behaved as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I had to put aside childish things. This is mankind putting aside the child is realizing he has to take responsibility. But when we take this responsibility seriously, and of course that's why they, you know, everybody's been stunned. Where did uh, all these brothers get their wives? Are we children of um, incest mm. uh, that he had sisters? Mm. No, we're not. There were women. This was not about the first human physical being. It was about mm. the first responsible human being who took wives from among the people, but they made decisions now to look at their wives differently. Mm. Now, in our religion, we believe this. Eve is not the symbol of a negative, And the snake represents our, shall we say, self-centered, childly self that is, I might say, in the reptilian part of our brain that says, I'm hungry, I want uh, food, I want warmth, I want comfort, as a child does, because with consciousness comes responsibility. So here's the story. When we use each other, we are making a tragic mistake. But when we choose a person of the opposite sex, in this case, and we choose them out of love, mm. and we take responsibility for being their partner, and we have sex in all of its wonder and joy mm. to bring forth uh, not only a bonding between us to cement us, where we have a relationship we share with no other. This is our life partner. This is the one that we've chosen to go into all the realms with. Mm -hmm. And then we bring forth these beautiful creatures called children, mm -hmm. and we love them together, we nurture them together. It builds a responsible and beautiful civilization. Mm -hmm. History has told us when we lose the ability to discipline our sex drive, that society begins to crumble. Ask any historian, he'll tell you it's true. Great civilization. They got caught up in their appetites. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're challenged with today. The Adam and Eve story is being repeated every day. Choose which path. Where you look at women with respect, with equality. Ask any woman if this isn't what she really wants, instead of to be a plaything, uh, there to satisfy the appetite, and disregarded when one sees maybe another one that looks at this moment more interesting. Mm -hmm. Our society is suffering greatly because we don't remember the story of Adam and Eve. Now, I'd like to go through just real quickly, mm -hmm. uh, just a recap. The Garden of Eden. Mankind's evolutionary childhood, where all the needs have been met by nature. The tree of knowledge. There's two trees. The higher sense of the tree, the lower sense of the tree. The tree with a capital T. Hearing the message from God, 
to relate to woman, and this is women relating to men, but using woman as a symbol, tree of knowledge with a small t, without understanding. A symbol of the awakening of puberty, the beginning of adolescence, and the call to passion for things earthly. The life where passion for purpose is your life, or where your purpose becomes passion. Okay, so differentiate us between the big T and the little T tree of knowledge again succinctly. Big T yeah. is the tree that can make us aware of God's truth mm-hmm. and the and his guidance for a healthy, wholesome, beautiful, purpose driven life. Okay. Okay. Small T. Small T symbol that we've come to a, a, a crossroads of the road of life where suddenly we're faced with our passions mm-hmm. and we have to make a choice. Are we going to make passion, the passions for the things of this life, i.e. from everything from highs, as that's our purpose of life, fun and games and pleasure, or that we have a passion to carry forward a purposeful life? Now going on, Adam is on one hand the messenger from God, calling humanity to a higher level of development through the responsibility of adolescence. And two, that he has a purpose. Mm -hmm. That's the second tree, by the way. Mm -hmm. The purpose is a tree of life. When we make the wrong decision, we are guided away from making it our life, i.e. we leave the garden and that tree. When we make the right choice, the tree of life will show itself eventually. And we will find our purpose, our meaning, God's destiny for ourselves and those we love. Mm-hmm. It's, I can't tell you, it makes shivers come up my spine to even say this because it's beautiful. Mm. Going on, Adam with a small a. Humanity having to take responsibility for the choices that he makes between passion for purpose or making passion his purpose. That's the, the small Adam. Mm. Adam is also you and I coming to a period where we have to make choices to take either responsible choices and find that God guides us and illuminates us and the, you might say the road opens up before us mm. or we go into that darksome, fog-driven world of pleasure that we don't know where we're going, we don't know how we got here and we sometimes don't have any idea where to turn. Now the wonderful story of Jesus Christ is he says, even though that might have happened, that God, when you turn to God with all your heart, you ask him for forgiveness. Mm. Put him first in your life. Trust his Holy Spirit will enter into your life and he will save you from this maze mm. and bring you to yet another world of consciousness. And you can be as though you were 13 again and a virgin and starting all over with fresh new possibilities for your life. Mm. And it doesn't matter at what age you make that choice. Just throw that in. But okay. Now going on, Eve... Eve with a capital E, symbol of all that's good that brings forth the fruit of life. Mm-hmm. is a symbol of a higher spiritual soul self, calling man to meaning, commitment, and purpose. Hasn't every woman wanted to call the man to become responsible and take responsibility so she can respect him? Mm. And if he does this and cherishes her, There's something beautiful that takes place. And that's 
eve of the higher self. She's actually always been the civilizing force in our world. We just didn't know it. We men were so preoccupied with power and control, we never knew what a gift God had given us. Mm. Then we go on to Eve, the small E. Eve, the a symbol of all earthly temptations, created beautiful and wonderful that we've abused and misused by man's objectifying of her and treating her as an object. Everyone's seen Eve of both types, if we really look careful. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, the snake. Um, the snake is a symbol of the lower self, also uh, lusting for earthly pleasures and passions and a disregard for purpose, often learns the hard way. Now, that's a small, the snake might say with a small s. You might say the animal nature of man is the higher sense of human, which is that as a child, this is, again, Lucifer, the child, is a beautiful, perfect being. Self-centered, yes, because it's okay to be self-centered when you're a child. Mm. But the whole key is you have to leave it behind and take up the responsibility for being human. That's why there's war in heaven. War in heaven is means this. Mankind as a child is perfect and beautiful. But there comes a day when he has to make a choice to, quote-unquote, give way to his human side and taking up responsibility. And when he refuses to do that, and maintains his self-centeredness, suddenly that kind of sweet um, child becomes the author of all evil. Satan is not out there somewhere deceiving us. Mm -hmm. Satan is our insistent, self-centered look at our awareness that makes us choose the wrong things because we're so blinded by our selfishness that we actually do evil. Mm. When we treat women in a way that is totally out of line with God's way, we are creating evil. So man is the author of evil when he takes something perfectly beautiful and abuses it and misuses it. And you Mm. can carry this into anything. God created nothing that is essentially evil. But man has the ability to take practically anything Mm -hmm. and turn it into evil, whether it be uh, the sex drive or the building of atomic energy. Good. That which is obedient and in harmony with God's purpose for existence. Evil. The abuse of God's gifts and blessings. Greater purpose subjugated to the lesser passions and lusts of the insistent self Whenever we take the greater and make it lesser, we've just done that. Mm. We've created uh, evil. Sin. Falling short of our potential to be like God in character. Not just in awareness of good and evil, but in obedience to it. So you're differentiating between evil and sin. Yes. Sin is falling short. Mm -hmm. That often leads to evil. Mm -hmm. But... Evil is sort of the pursuit of our lesser... these wonderful things and misusing them and abusing. Sin is the thought and desire to do so, so to speak. Sometimes we can sin and stop short of doing evil. Mm -hmm. Sometimes sin has a terrible way of carrying it out. Mm -hmm. But the sinner can return 
And that's the whole why that, why? That's who Jesus really was. Mm-hmm. He was telling us, yes, you've sinned. Mm-hmm. Yes, everybody has sinned. But there's a way back. Mm-hmm. When you turn to God with all your heart, mind, and soul, mm-hmm. you can be reborn. That is such a beautiful, wonderful idea. That's mm-hmm. Christ's part to play mm-hmm. in the religious history of humanity. But there's more. Okay. That's what makes it interesting. Now, going on. Okay. Satan then is the rebellious, insistent self that went into adolescence and gained strength like a hurricane and comes into adulthood with tragic consequences. Because adulthood is when we can use this insistent self to do horrible destruction. At least as an adolescent, we get a chance to kind of play it out and learn and le- and maybe change our attitude before we gain adulthood. Hmm. But look what happens when the insistent self, when the satanic uh, behavior enters adulthood. We destroy cities. We kill thousands of people. We create havoc because now we have the power of society. So you see why we have to address this early on mm-hmm. so that when we become adults, we have learned our lessons and that we will do it right. So Humanity has had 6,000 years, I'm using that symbolically, mm-hmm. that's what the six days are about, of adolescence. Mm. The end of the world is the coming to an end of the trial period, where we struggle to learn truly wisdom, where God sends the messenger of healing, the messenger of the kingdom, to teach us and show us how Now that we are adults, we have to pick up the responsibility to, and with God's guidance and our, and being inspired, we build a society through faith and love that we would want to welcome every child on earth Mm -hmm. into. But we've given a thousand years to do it. It's called the millennium. Okay, but hasn't God been doing that all along through the messengers of God, through religious history? They were, these last, for the last 6,000 years, we have been given guidance through adolescence. Mm -hmm. And that's why we didn't seem to solve all the problems. We knew better, Mm -hmm. but we didn't quite get it. Some did. They were the stars in the heavens. Let's face it, humanity has not yet achieved where the the love of God is flowing in our midst. But are you saying now that humanity as a whole or as a has a potential can now accomplish what maybe it couldn't accomplish during the time of Muhammad or the time of Christ, the exactly. time of Moses? That we've had knowledge poured out upon us. Mm-hmm. The tools. In the last 150 years, we went from riding donkeys to flying airplanes and rockets. Mm-hmm. Think about it. There was a young man. He's, he, he called himself the gate of God. And, and he, uh, uh, in his language, is pronounced the Bob. But for this purposes, he called himself the gate. And essentially what he did was stand up in the, on May the 23rd, 1844, and told us that from this day forward, nothing will ever be the same again. Mm-hmm course if you went outside and looked everything looked normal but what he was saying is mankind had reached that stage where now god was going to inspire us guide us illuminate us with his powers that really would make a difference Mm. it's interesting the next day on may the 24th 
in America, the uh, telegraph was invented. Mm. The first electronic connection between human beings. And the first message across that wire, what hath God wrought? We Baha'is understand that all the inventions and all the things that have speeded up life shrunk the planet to where it used to take months to go anywhere, takes hours. This is not an accident. We believe we're being inspired to mature, to take these tools. Now, we're ready for a more mature attitude, but unfortunately, it's also a very dangerous period because we notice that not everybody seems to be ready for this, and they take these tools and want to kill us with it. Mm. Or we're using it to destroy. And that's our challenge. Are we going to make it? Are we going to learn to use these technologies, this tool and this wisdom to create a beautiful planet Earth in all of its ways, protecting the Earth, caring for every form of life, bringing forth a beautiful existence? Mm. Or are we going to make this a hellhole? Mm. Well, the, good, the bad news is we're going to see some of this. We're not out of the woods. We're in the great days of tribulation as prophesied. Not in its literal sense. And the Antichrist came and went. Who was the Antichrist? This is my thoughts. The Baha'i faith and this vision of hope started in the year 1844. In 1848, Karl Marx published the Communist Manifesto. The religious view was that we're entering towards a future of equality and justice and a unified planet. But that you have to do things God's way to get there. You have to follow the way of Christ to get there. The second version said, oh, that's a wonderful world. We too want peace. We too want a beautiful world and united and everybody being equal. And we will kill. We will rape. We will plunder. We will destroy. We will murder anything that gets in the way of bringing that world about. That's what the manifesto says? No. That's what it turned out to be. You know, we started out with good intentions. But they left out God. They said there is no God. God, uh, religion is the opening of the people. We don't need religion. We, all we need is good intentions. And good intentions produce a horrible situation. And its counter to that mm. was Nazi Germany, who mm. thought they were going to save us from communism and created a monster worse than the one they were fighting, using the same methods. If they had to kill, if they had to destroy, if they had to use hate, they used every one of these human negatives to try to bring about a better world. They were both wrong. Mm -hmm. Only when we hear the message of hope and the beautiful kingdom of God on earth and follow the way that was laid all the way back to Adam, to Noah, to Moses, to Jesus, to Muhammad, to today, is the only way we're going to have this world. It's the way of the heart. Mm -hmm. It's the way of love. It's the way of Je uh, of, of, that Jesus taught. Mm -hmm. And we've got to do away with this violent way of doing things. And only through the love of God and using our powers of intuition and intellect and knowledge can we truly make this happen. But it starts with the heart, mm -hmm. not with a gun. And that's why there's always two ways. So we still have people who want to solve the problems of the world with a bigger army mm -hmm. and bigger weapons. And there are those of us who are committing 
to bringing all the religious communities together, mm-hmm. to bringing ourselves together to love God and to do it His way, mm-hmm. nonviolent, and with peace in our hearts and openness to all humans. We will see the glory of the Lord shining in the hearts and minds of the human race. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe because we're in the re- days of tribulation. But if my life and your life can be put on the line for such a vision and without allowing ourselves to fall into hypocrisy, put it out there and live it, this will, in fact, come. And the nations will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation. Not because something magic happens. The magic is in us. Can we truly transform our lives into uh, instruments of good? Yes. Didn't Jesus tell us that? But we have to do it now on a larger scale. That's what this is all about. I think I probably have said enough. (laughs) And I just want to say, uh, obviously you can tell I get a little enthusiastic about this. But you see, it's my life. I had to make a choice. I made first in my adolescent years that other choice. Mm. And I saw where it was going. I just thank God that I was able to recognize it and turn back to God and say, God, could even I be one of these people? I honestly didn't think I could. I thought I was too far gone. But all I can tell you is something wonderful. The miracle happened. I was able to turn around and to find a wonderful woman to marry that I cherished and loved and loved and respected me. And I put her through unbelievable experiences because I was on a journey to find truth. And she went with me on all these journeys. We wound up having five beautiful children. And now we have 15 grandchildren. Yesterday, my 15th was born. And I'm waiting for the 16th in the next 30 days. I've had a wonderful life. I've had an adventuresome life. I've gone from being from a fascist family to becoming, considering myself Jewish, to becoming a born-again Christian, to today I'm all of those things and more when I call myself a Baha'i. I've come to love Muhammad, who I thought I could never appreciate. Mm. Today I see who he really was and it's pains me to see what's going on in the world today, to see how many people in the Islamic world have taken a literal, painful, ugly interpretation of the Quran to create this havoc. But I'm also sad for our Christian friends who also have read and seen things so literally that we have behaved in so many unseemly ways ourselves, everything from the Ku Klux Klan to slavery to abuse of women. We've done it all in our culture. And Israel doesn't get away without having done their uh, things that they know they shouldn't have done. But in the end, Israel is blessed by God and Israel is going to be someday known as the land of unity. Believe it. Someday Israel is going to be a homeland to Muslims, Christians, Jews, Buddhists. We're going to recognize that Israel is a special place for us to come together from all nations and all peoples 
and become one together and recognize Israel is the spiritual capital of the planet Earth. And I didn't mean to go there. All I say is that it's a wonderful life. I'm so appreciative for what's been given to me. And I encourage everyone, search for the truth. There really is a beautiful way to see life in spite of some of the things we're witnessing. But these two shall pass away. Okay. Thank you very much for having me on your program. You're welcome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ray Estes, a Baha'i who comes from a born-again Christian background who has studied the Bible for many years and shares his insights into the spiritual meanings of this most precious book. If you'd like information on the Baha'i faith specifically, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org. That's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G. Or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. And giving someone else your seat. It all adds up to kindness. You know it's really nothing new. Kindness starts with me and you. The little things we say and do. They all add up to kindness. Thanking mom for the cookie she baked. Apologizing for our mistakes. Giving people even breaks It all adds up to kindness Helping grandpa climb the stairs Being someone who always shares Saying you like what your sister wears It all adds up to kindness You know it's really nothing new Kindness starts with me and you The little thing For your team, honor someone else's dream. Kindness, helping out of grandma's house, stop the cat, save the mouse. Kindness, take your brother on a hike, let somebody ride your bike. Kindness, smiling when you don't know why, thinking of the other guy. That's how we spread some kindness. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 
103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station.